Getting In is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word products. Just for being a Getting In listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice by going to www.audible.com slash college. From Slate and Panoply, this is Getting In, a podcast series about the path to college. And I'm Amy Young. I am thrilled to be guest hosting for a couple of episodes until Julie Lithcott-Hames returns in a few weeks. I'm the director of college counseling at Avenues, an independent school in New York City, and I'm also on the team of experts here at Getting In. Today, we'll get some updates from a couple of our seniors, Alessandra LaPera and August Graves. And a little later, another Getting In expert, Park Muth, joins me to answer a listener question from a homeschool teenager in Texas. But before we get started, I want to tell you a little bit about a podcast from the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. It's called Campus, and it's a series that we think Getting In listeners will enjoy. Everything changes when you enter college, and Campus explores those life-defining moments as an undergrad. Think of it as the next step after getting in. The Campus podcast brings you first-person stories on the pressures to succeed, the threat of failure, and the adventures of growing up. Search for Campus on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. This week, we got a voice memo from Alessandra LaPera. She's one of the seniors we're following this school year. Alessandra attends a Catholic prep school in New Jersey. You might remember from an earlier episode that she's had some health challenges in the last few years. And this past weekend, a new health issue emerged. So just this past Saturday, I was at University of the Arts in Philadelphia. And that morning, I realized that my hand was blue. And I kind of put it off a little bit. And then after the tour, I realized that it was turning a grayish color. Um, So we went right to the emergency room from the tour. And it turns out (laughs) that I have a really long blood clot traveling towards my heart. And they said we caught it just in time. So I was in the hospital all weekend. And I actually missed a college deadline because of that. November 15th deadline. I am not happy about it. I feel completely torn between scholastic priorities and my own health. So I emailed them and I'm waiting to hear back. They offered me priority admission a November 15th deadline. However, December 1st is the regular decision deadline. So we're going to see what they say about that. But it's been getting really, really crazy. Like my first choice deadline is December 1st for NYU. And that is coming up. So I am getting a little crazed finishing my essay, revising my essay over and over again, finishing up my supplements, and, you know, working on my auditions. I was not expecting, nor could I afford, to waste a weekend in the hospital. But at the same time, I am so very lucky that I caught it in time. Alessandra, you're so resilient, and we've heard this from you in talking about your Common App essay and how you have dealt with all of your health challenges. And it's so good to hear that you're on the mend and you're finding energy and focus to put into your applications and your schoolwork despite all of these setbacks. 
I'm also really heartened to hear that you did reach out to your college admission office and see if there was a possibility for an extension or something like that. College admission officers are generally understand that all of you are teenagers and the life of a high school student is not easy or predictable. Um, so I do hope that you're able to get some good news there and we wish you well turning in your common application and getting ready for that NYU deadline. So last week, I got a chance to check in with another senior we're following in the podcast, August Graves. She is a senior at Nest Plus M, a public high school in Manhattan. We met up here at Panoply Studios along with August's mom, Amy Graves, and I reviewed August's college list, which had over a dozen schools on it. Bowdoin, Colorado College, Ithaca, Northeastern, Occidental, Binghamton, Syracuse, Ohio State, Tulane, UMich, Uni- University of Notre Dame, and Whitman. Was okay. Mc- was McGill on there? What? McGill? Was McGill on there? It's not in the Common App. It's a separate. So there are schools. If the schools are not affiliated with the Common Application, they don't show up on this particular list. But um, yeah, August did mention that she is interested in McGill as well. August felt a little bit unsure about some of her choices, so I made some suggestions. I'm looking at this list, knowing that you did ED to Bowdoin, and there is a wide range of types of schools on this list. Yeah. <laughs> so, which I, is not a problem at all. I think I, sometimes I think and when we when we talk about fit, fit can exist um, across a wide range of schools, right? It doesn't mean that you have to have only one particular type of school. You can be interested in schools for lots of different reasons. I know you've already shared some of your interest in Bowdoin, um, mm-hmm. and you've spoken about that in previous conversations, but maybe some of these smaller places, schools that are like Bowdoin, like Colorado College, like an Occidental, which is also a, a small school, though it's on the opposite coast, um, can and, and Whitman, actually, um, which is in Oregon. So can you tell us a little bit about why you're attracted to these schools? Well, I sort of started off my search. My mom actually said, like, I like would fit in at a small school better. I just think like the profe- like it's more intimate and the relationship with the teachers would be really awesome at a small school and um and maybe more inspiring that you might have more interesting conversations. So uh that's why I sort of started <laughs> looking at small schools and then Can I interrupt you really quickly August? I usually ask students to sort of look back at the educational experiences they've had and the ones that have been most rewarding and can you talk to me about some of those that have been most rewarding for you in school? Yeah, I do a lot of, um, I my class right now is this, my English class is just my favorite class. We uh, sort of talk about, we, we all sit and have like a group discussion and that's something that you can't really get at a bigger high school because I have a, my high school is pretty small. So um, that's something that like I absolutely love. So that's a connection that you're, when you're thinking about where you want to go to school, the idea of having access to professors, to having those group discussions so that you're also hearing from the people who are also sitting around the table um, or in the classroom with you is important. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a lot of fun. Like I just. Yeah. yeah. Good. So you want to continue that. Yeah. You don't want to leave it behind entirely. Yeah. And I again, I have your Common App right in front of me. And I just want to take a we're just going to take a look at it a little bit because ultimately this is sort of one of the major pieces that colleges will use to get to know you. So we're just going to get to know you right now and see how you look on paper. I know from having chatted with you just a few minutes ago, because you were mentioning that you were interested in McGill, and I asked if you knew any French, and you said you did know some. I studied it. (laughs) You studied it. Okay. Well, here's my question. If you had some French in front of you, could you read any of it? Yeah, I could read some. Hmm, I'm wondering why you haven't put that on your common application, August, because you have an opportunity to do that. 
I don't know either. You, right, right. <laughs> here's 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 the moment, right? Is that you? It doesn't even dawn on you because there are so many things that you could be putting in here. But because you are a modest person, right? Because you're not someone who's used to running around and saying, "Look at me, I'm August, and I do all of these wonderful, great things." You're actually inadvertently sort of leaving off some things that colleges might be interested in. Yeah. Okay, so for 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 anyone who doesn't know, there is a section on the Common Application where they ask you about language. And you have listed English as your first language. It is my first language. And that is correct, right? <laughs> but you haven't listed any French. Or Italian. She just spent a month in Italy learning Italian. Yeah. See, there's there are all these dimensions to you. Yeah. Um, so I would probably encourage you to give yourself a little bit more credit. Five years of French is five years of French. So you need to give yourself some credit. Can she resubmit it to Bowdoin since she's already submitted it? You know, it might make sense as we go through here. There might be some updates that you might want to email to Bowdoin, which will be fine. I can talk to you about how you might want to do that. So you have listed your AP courses. So you're an AP literature and you are in AP um, Calc AB, which is great, and you're in advanced theater. Um, but you've only listed those three. Can I ask why? I thought it would be useful to sort of, or not useful, but I thought it was only the advanced ones mattered. You're going to have to give yourself credit for your whole schedule, August. <laughs> you deserve credit for all of the classes you're taking, okay? Okay, so I'll ask you to go back and just add the rest of the courses. Um, and again, you can send an updated email to Bowdoin. Let's see here. This is fascinating to me. You have hiked in White Mountains and the French Alps. So you have summited 22 mountains over 4,000 feet. Yeah. Whoa. I know. That's how we spend our time. <laughs> that's Whoa. like our entire summer. Yeah. <laughs> that is so cool. <laughs> and you've hiked two weeks in the French Alps. That's fantastic. Well, neat. Okay. So in terms of the list, I'm also wondering what is the role of financial aid that might be playing in this, if you're comfortable about talking about it. And if you're not, that's fine, too. Yeah. I actually did the net price calculator for Bowdoin and um, discovered that we are not eligible for financial aid, according to them. <laughs> so um, I think my guess is we own a rental property. Ah, uh, that'll do it. Yep. And so we're going to be paying for whatever, wherever she goes. That's why I was like, oh, please put McGill on there and please put SUNY um, Binghamton. I was going to say purchase. Sorry. Sure. SUNY Binghamton. Sure. Um, just so that, you know, we can sort of figure that out and really weigh all that to see, you know, if we want to mortgage our <laughs> rental property. <laughs> right. Right. Given that consideration, there are a couple schools that I would throw out there, right? Um, both in terms of what I've heard from you, August, in terms of what you're looking for and things that are important to you and things that I've actually sort of, you didn't volunteer as being important to you. But now that I've seen your Common App and had a conversation with you, <laughs> now I sort of get it a little bit more. This is so exciting. I feel like we're at a shrink's office. <laughs> Counselor is in my title for a reason, right? <laughs> um, so... One of the things I'll throw out really quickly um, is a school that is known for having incredibly reasonably priced tuition and yet still giving you the opportunities that you're talking about, right, in terms of having an opportunity for small discussion-based classes, having really close relationships with professors, so they're really invested in student success, um, but also having just huge school spirit, beautiful campuses, really, really tight community. And the one I want to throw out is Elon, and that's spelled E-L-O-N, um, and that's in North Carolina. Um, and they have a tuition rate that's probably ten dollars to $15,000 less than everybody else, and they do that on purpose um, because they are very committed to making tuition affordable for students who may not qualify for financial aid, um, but they don't want to create a situation on their campus where they only have students who can basically afford full freight, right? Um, and then 
and students who are coming in on significant financial aid. Um, so that that's worth taking a look at, right? Um, I know you're you're looking at me like really. No, I have no, to cool. add to that. No, I've never heard of Elon. That's so cool. So it's it's just where I'm just throwing some stuff out there for you to think about. Um, in terms of the international piece that you're talking about, the three that come to mind immediately that are small liberal arts campuses that have all of this this dynamic. That, that we've been talking about and that you've been describing, but have a really true demonstrated commitment to international experiences and having discussions about languages and international experiences on their campus and to varying degrees, very strong environmental programs. So the first would be Dickinson, and that is in um, Pennsylvania. Um, and their mission, so they were founded to educate students who would go out and have an understanding of the world. I would also throw out Goucher. It's in Baltimore. More, they fund students to have international experiences. So they make sure that every student gets to go abroad and they put money behind it. Um, and then the other one I would put out there would be Pitzer, since you mentioned Occidental. So Sounds like California. You were looking at Pomona. Yeah. Well, the reason I mentioned Pitzer is because they they also have a very strong commitment to um, diversity and internationalism, and so I think that's actually. And I rem- remembering Pomona was really high on your list at one point. Oh, <laughs> Am I remembering my former yeah. episodes? Am I getting in episodes yeah, correctly? Um, so, but did you look at Pitzer? Did you visit it all? No, but I know okay. a girl that went there. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I would also throw out throughout Pitzer. Um, And in doing so, and this is just a coincidence, um, but I'm also adding some schools that are score optional like Bowdoin. So those are some schools where if you did want to apply to them, I'd encourage you to pull those scores out of your Common App because you would not be required to send them. And just to be clear, for schools that are score optional, it is because they believe that scores are not the best predictor of your success on their campus, right? They are. They want to be able to be, have the freedom to put more emphasis on your the fact that you've climbed all of these mountains, the fact that you've studied all of these languages and been abroad, um, and the fact that you're taking these AP courses. They want the freedom to be able to do that. Um, and sometimes scores don't let colleges have as much freedom to to admit students in that way. So, um, just wanted to throw that out if you want to explore some of those. Cool. Um, um, I was sort of. Because my college counselor said, I've also heard this from other people, but um, a lot of score optional schools, like, yes, their score are optional, but if you don't submit your scores, they're like, sort of like why they see it as a negative. I have sent a lot of students to schools that are score optional. I've sent a lot of applications, encouraged students to send those applications to schools that are score optional. And I have never had that be the case where they've said, you know what? this kid really should have submitted some scores in your application. Okay. Um, now, I haven't seen your transcript. I'm going to assume it's strong because I saw your your average and you're, you're doing well. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming there aren't C's and D's. No, no C's and D's. No C's and D's. Okay. Okay. Are there things you want to share? Because like, <laughs> like, a lot of the kids in my school are so smart that I just, I, I compare myself to them and I just, I'm one of the less strong applicants, I'd say, like or like in terms of grades. So I'm worried that it's this mindset that informed your decision not to put French on your common application or not to include the other classes that you should be really proud of taking. So I'm going to encourage you that when that when you start hearing those voices in your head to just turn them off because it's not helping. Okay, it's not helping at all, honestly. And I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's it's fair to you at all. Okay. Yeah, but like I don't know. Like everyone else is getting 90s, and I've been 88. Like I just like don't really. 
How many mountains have they climbed? <laughs> How many languages are they studying, August? <laughs> That's a good Don't point. let it happen. Don't turn off, turn off those voices. <laughs> this is the moment where it's not about listing what you haven't done. It's really about saying, what have I done? And saying, this is, this is my application. Because I just looked at your application and I was like, wow, you did this, you did this. That's what college reps are going to be doing too. So I'm going to encourage you to feel a little bit more empowered about what you've done. That's really cool. Hi. That's, yeah, that's good to hear, actually. Can you actually, can you go through the list and say which ones, what's the other words besides reach and safety, the target? Um, so I think the strongest places where you're sort of in the mix, I guess, as I would say, would be Ithaca, Occidental, Ohio State, definitely. Tulane, maybe. It will all depend when that application goes in, to yeah. be perfectly honest. Okay. And uh, potentially Whitman. I think Whitman, potentially Whitman. So if you wanted to build that out a little bit more, which, again, I'd probably encourage. And I think the small liberal arts, that is I, my professional and personal bias is for small liberal arts schools. So I applaud your, <laughs> your selection of those um, would be to pull in some of the other ones. All right. Okay. Does she have any safeties on there? Ohio State, you would definitely get into Ohio State. They probably have some sort of earlier rolling deadline, which, again, I would encourage you to meet. But you will probably want to step back from this and say, okay, how much work can I do? How strong of a foundation do I want? And and ask yourself some real questions. That yeah, way. great. Thank you, Amy. Oh, it is so <laughs> nice to talk to both of you. Aww. This has been so much fun for me. <laughs> and as a fun postscript, uh, that the idea of going abroad for school really resonated with her, and she has added another school to her list, the University of Glasgow. Now it's time for a listener question, and getting in expert Park Muth is here with me. Hi, Park. Hey, Amy. How are you? I'm fine. How are you doing? Oh, it's good. So, Park, I imagine this is something you've encountered, too. It came up in my session with August last week. When students are faced with describing the seriousness or the rigor of their coursework, they don't always know how to go about doing it. So we recently got an email from Isaiah Ogren, a teenager in Texas who's worried about just this thing. I am a high school junior from Dallas who takes a combination of homeschool courses and classes at my local community college. My question is, how can I demonstrate the rigor of some of my homeschool courses that I care deeply about and have worked very hard on, but will go on my transcript as just another elective credit? I cite my philosophy course being taught by my father, who is mere months away from completing a PhD in theology. This course entails reading full-length philosophical works, responding to them, and other readings and papers between 15 to 20 pages. How can I show that this is a very significant class if there is no AP test and it's not in the core curriculum for my state? Park, have you had a chance to work with any homeschool students? I've definitely talked with a number, and I've certainly read many, many applications over the years from homeschooled students. And I don't think there is a one-size-fits-all answer to this, but given the information that Isaiah gives us, what I would advise him to do is to, first of all, you may want to create a syllabus if he doesn't have one or the syllabus that his father came up with for this particular course that would show the books, the readings, and the assignments. The second thing he might want to do is if he's writing 15 to 20 page papers, he may want to submit one of those papers with the syllabus. Now, does that mean admissions officers across the board are going to read a 15 to 20 page paper? The answer 
is not likely, but some might, and they're certainly going to glance at it. And if they have questions about it, they may, in fact, contact someone in the philosophy department and say, how would you rate this? Part of that is going to depend on the size of the school. Part of that is going to depend on the overall academic preparation that the student has already presented. In other words, because he has some courses at the community college, if he has high grades there and he has you know, a strong record overall, then if he's applied to a highly selective school, I would think they would want to look pretty carefully at some of the homeschool classes. Park, I'm wondering if, um, you know, you're thinking about sending these supplementary materials in and students sometimes look at the common application that's online and they wonder, how do I how do I get this into my common application and submit it electronically or should I just send it in in hard copy? Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, the common application has made it a little more complicated. One of the things is, depending on the schools the student is applying to or any student is applying to, if they know people in the admission office, if they've visited or they have a name of the person that's reading their geographical region, then they should probably reach out by email and say, I wanted to let you know that I'm a homeschooled student and essentially ask the set of questions that he's asked of us and they should be able to give him specific information. Yeah, I like that idea of emailing the representative, the regional representative for the school, and then you get to establish that personal connection. That makes a lot of sense. Great. Park, thank you so much for joining me today. Could you come back next week and answer some more questions? Well, Amy, I would love to. Great. We love hearing from you. Send your questions and voice memos to gettingin@slate.com. Or you can call our hotline and leave a message. That number is 929-999-4353. And that's it for this episode. Catch up on any episodes you've missed at slate.com slash getting in. And please leave us a comment on iTunes. It helps other people discover the show. Getting In is a production of Slate and Panoply Media. Michelle Siegel is our producer. Production help from Barry Finkel. Our executive producer is Laura Mayer. And Panoply's chief content officer is Andy Bowers. Thanks so much for listening and have a wonderful Thanksgiving. I also wanted to share a piece of advice that we give our parents and students at Avenues, which is please give your students a break over Thanksgiving. There will be a lot of relatives who will be very well-meaning and wanting to ask your seniors questions about their college lists and where they're applying early and how their essays and applications are going. This is a high-stress time for your students, so please let them enjoy Thanksgiving and give them a break from all of the college talk because everyone needs it. I'm Amy Young, and I hope you'll join us next time on Getting In. And remember, it's not just about getting in, it's about finding the right fit. Getting In is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible has over 180,000 audiobooks. You can download them and access them on a bunch of different devices, on iPhones, Android, Kindle, or pretty much any other MP3 player. One book to try out from Audible is Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking by Susan Cain. Cain shows how dramatically we undervalue introverts and how much we lose in doing so. If you want to listen to Quiet or many other books, Audible has it. With over 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word products, you'll find what you're looking for. 
Get a free audiobook and a 30-day trial today by signing up at www.audible.com slash college. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash college. And use the promo code college.